As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Ten. Hello and welcome, my name is Matt Mayer, aka The Implications, columnist of the Imps Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net and your Perfect 10 Wrestling host right here on LOP Radio. This week we are back to the actual format for this podcast. Two weeks in a row, my god king! Uh, no worries, uh, I've got Clive from the Ricky and Clive show on next week, so that'll be the end of that. Uh, before we get into this show, uh, please do check out the other shows on Laws of Pain Radio. We're on Fridays we've got The Right Side of the Pond with Mad Planner Mazza. Saturdays is our new show here on Lots of Pain, all about all elite from the men who brought you the WCW Legacy Series, or the famous WCW Legacy Series, uh, Miss Fan and Shane Mystic. Uh, Sunday, we have got the Elimination Chamber Aftershock. We've also got a new show for Sundays, which I'll get to at the end of this list. Uh, Mondays, we've got Kingdom of Honor with Jan Man and his friend Jeff talking Ring of Honor, New Japan, any random crap takes their fancy. Uh, Tuesdays is the Global Revolution, covering just wrestling all over the world. And live after SmackDown, we have One Nation Radio with Rich Latter and James Boyd covering Raw and SmackDown. Wednesdays is Samuel Plan with Sports Entertainment is Dead. And then I am here every Thursday with Perfect 10 Wrestling, covering everything on the WWE Network. For now, there might, there's, go, there's going to be another <laughs> format change in a few months, but I'm going to slowly for, slowly work it in. It's not going to be a sudden, ah, format change, ah. <laughs> It's like, no. Plus, do I... Uh, this is like the second week <laughs> in ages that I've done this format. <laughs> I don't exactly stick to it. <laughs> so I think I'd say I've already worked in different formats. Uh, but, the thing that I'm not going to forget to plug, Sunday, February the 24th, the Doc Says returns. Uh, the Doc is back with a wide variety of topics that are going to be covered, and loads of fun coming your way. Uh, we'll be starting with a game of, what would happen if all of the top wrestlers of today got drafted under one roof? And then the Doc works his magic. <laughs> I don't know how many little tangents and little ter- twists and turns he's going to incorporate, but if you know how great a writer that man is... You should be getting excited for that show. But yes, The Doc Says, one of our most popular shows here on Laws of Pain, is returning after The Doc watched Brock Lesnar return at Hen in a Cell. I went, well, I'm... Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's me <really> done. <laughs> and he pissed off. Uh, but he's coming back now uh, with a new lease on wrestling life. So welcome welcome back, chat. Anyway, so back onto my show. If you uh, listened last week, then I tried out something new where I talked about some of the news topics that were, were like the main talking points of that week. Uh, this week there's only really one thing. And I'm not going to go through any like reports or anything like that. There's one thing. So I didn't watch Monday Night Raw, but my Twitter was going mental with stuff about Charlotte. <laughs> Which I, like, I put a, like, a few tweets out. And uh, at the uh, the good... What's the recommendation? <laughs> that was not good English. <laughs> I couldn't think how to word it. But yeah, recommendation of Dude McIntyre. Yes, Australian wrestling 
commentator man. <laughs> I don't know why I said that in a farmer accent. Ugh, I do that a lot on this show. But anyway, so yeah, just the idea of... Um, yeah, he gave me the idea of just kind of doing this, what I'm about to do now. So I was going to do... I was thinking maybe doing a column. I might do it down the line. It is related to the fact that I'm only really doing women's wrestling when I'm doing my columns about WWE. Uh, I might try and get in some guest writers as well to f- kind of fit that to make it feel more special. But, yeah, but with the whole uh, thing with Charlotte and Becky Lynch and that, that, so if you like me and you don't watch WWE, but you're not like me and you didn't see everything on Twitter, uh, again, if you listen to this show, I'm assuming you know this, but I'll go through it anyway. So, Becky Lynch has got a little knee injury, which they set up at the Royal Rumble, and they've used it quite well so far in this story. And it came to that thing where she wouldn't get checked out because last time she got taken out of the match against Rousey and that makes all the sense in the world that she wouldn't want to go to the doctors because what if she gets screwed out of the match again and gets put into like injury prison or whatever. She called it something like that. But it kind of her refusal to do that has built up and built up and built up to a point where Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, made her apologise and she didn't... She refused to do it and then she, in her kind of way, she became the bigger man and went, I'm sorry. To which a lot of people saw that as a bit degrading to her character where the authority kind of lowered her down to make her make a kind of humanise herself and say, I'm sorry. Which, it's an odd one to do that. <laughs> but anyway, depends what kind of character they wanted to build and this kind of breaks down the character a bit. It's the type of thing you do later. It's really odd to do that in the building up process <laughs> instead of like doing it later. But they did it with Punk and that kind of the kick, I can't say it, kicks the legs out from under him. So it just doesn't feel like it's done that. Lucha is a bit, it's way too popular and the momentum's all there. But anyway, so uh, after that though, the thing that really confused me, I don't know if I need to watch Raw to really understand this, but Vince McMahon comes out and then there's like, oh, I don't, yeah, yeah, the match. Yeah, it could be like a legendary match, but like I don't like you, Becky. So um, I think this match will be better with Charlotte. And out comes Charlotte, and yeah, then Becky Lynch is out of the match and is replaced with Charlotte. So the thing that the Twitter went mental over that was like well, taking Becky Lynch. Like, won't you listen to the fans? <laughs> so the, that's one stance. There are multiple other stances. Yeah, the other popular one is because uh, they did a poll. So this is something I brought up: is that they did a poll last week of should the match be a triple threat, and resoundingly the answer was no. But it's the way they worded it. I didn't really address this when I put out the tweet, but the way they worded that poll was: should Charlotte be added to the match, not should the match be a single match or a triple threat, like you like you're asking outside of kayfabe essentially, like he's just asking them plainly without any context of the story like which one would you prefer we build to they didn't word it like that they worded it like should Charlotte be added and it was a resounding no so there's two ways to read that <laughs> there's to read that of we the fact we the fans said no we don't want triple threat we really want to see the singles match or there's the other way and and they went right against what the fans said the fans said no and they went well we're gonna do this because we want to anyway <laughs> so it's like, oh, no, oh, new year and same old shit. Or is it the other side of them looking at this going, yep, Charlotte is ready. She's the heel in this. We can put her in this one. And she acts as the definite heel. So it's an odd one. Because <laughs> you've got the corporate heel in a way in Charlotte. You've got the heel which has been designated by the fans as a heel in Ronda Rousey, even though she's technically working as a face. So does that make it, it makes her a tweener going the other way. 
Uh, and then there's Becky Lynch, who is the designated babyface, obviously. So uh, Charlotte makes it three interesting roles, and of course, you know it's going to be an amazing match. Yeah, um, my little thing was this bit, it's been a long time since I've seen a singles match main event Wrestlemania that I've been really interested in seeing uh, Rousey versus Lynch would have been it and it's really weird seeing how white hot that reaction was to seeing uh, Rousey and Lynch just in the ring it's like that is your match right there so it's really inter- for me this is a really interesting topic is the idea of Becky Lynch being replaced by Charlotte which the, the reaction I've not quite understood is people generally getting angry at WWE for, like, have they really replaced Charlotte with Becky, uh, Becky Lynch with Charlotte? No! <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> I don't know why this people think this has happened. Uh, so I didn't even watch Raw, and I don't know if it's because I'm looking at this from afar. <laughs> I didn't watch Raw, but I saw what happened, and this is just a narrative device that's used all the time. So this is the bit, this is the recommendation of Dude McIntyre. Just, yeah, talk about, just talk about this. <laughs> oh, it's a narrative device all the time. It bloody is a narrative device used all the time. So uh, my thing, well, so I was going to think of like different things, maybe throughout media where it happens all the time. Because it happens, it's, it's just a narrative device. It's not just for wrestling, it's for most stories. Just to, like, right before your hero hits their highest high, you bring them down to their lowest low. I mean, it's just got to climb even higher. It's got to dig dig even deeper to get that find what's within them to really achieve what they've got to achieve uh, or just to really make it feel like it's going to be they can't achieve it and then they overcome you know, hooray they did it Frodo destroyed the ring <laughs> or whatever uh, but yeah but I thought yeah just, let's just look into WWE surely WWE have done this story time and time again and you would be right but the if for me I was like actually I could probably just look up one man <laughs> so like my examples I came up with well, literally, like, within, like, one minute. <laughs> I was typing these notes up before the show. But, Rey Mysterio, he won the Royal Rumble and lost his spot to Randy Orton in 2006, meaning he was taken out of the match. So it was going to be Orton versus Angle. So, yeah, that was, like, the lowest low. Uh, Triple H, he lost that fight with Orton and the whole Orton creepily kissing Steph thing happening. <laughs> Just, like, bringing trips right down to his lowest low. As he watched Orton do that, I couldn't do anything. Uh, and then the the authority beating up Daniel Bryan, which is they were doing that on Orton's side. So I say it's an Orton thing by proxy again. <laughs> well, I was thinking that is three separate occasions where heel Randy Orton has brought the hero essentially down to his lowest low. Well, Daniel Bryan, it was, it was pretty much Triple H, I think, who did that because he was fighting the authority and Orton was the authority's champion. But still, it's by proxy. It's good enough for me. <laughs> three examples. Where the Heel Orton or the people on the side of Heel Orton have brought down the babyface to their lowest level before WrestleMania where they achieved the highest high. And that's just one man. <laughs> that's kind of the point I'm making, that this is used all the time. This is one man and one story. WrestleMania has how many matches? <laughs> they don't do it for all of them, but they just like by numbers, it's a thing that happens a lot. And if you look at any company, you'll see it as well. Just that the hero, right before they're going to achieve that highest high, they either get a huge obstacle thrown in front of them or they get taken down right to their lowest low. That's what this is for Becky Lynch. This is just that moment where she's been taken out of the match. She still refuses to go see the doctor. And Charlotte is being built up as this mighty villain through it. (laughs) It's going to take a completely different word there, I changed my mind. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's a narrative device. Known Becky Lynch has not been taken out of the match. The only question is, will this match be a triple threat or a singles match? Because we've still got a fast lane to go. 
So all this means is that Mondavelzi is defending against Ruby Riot. <laughs> Again, I don't watch Raw. I think it's Ruby Riot at Elimination Chamber on Sunday. I'm not staying up for that. <laughs> Plan can suffer. <laughs> I'll, I'll skip through it the next day. But very good about column. It's such a tangent thing. But yeah, so they've got to uh, get through that first Elimination Chamber. Charlotte's going to be at ringside. So she said, oh, wouldn't it be a shame if something happened? Uh, <laughs> or something. So I don't know what the plans for something to happen there is. But there is Fastlane after this. So I reckon we're going to get a Charlotte match at Fastlane. There are multiple ways they could do this. So this was my most excited thing as soon as Becky Lynch won the Rumble, was there are multiple avenues they can go with this. It could just be a straight-up singles match with Rousey and Lynch. With Rousey would be the definite heel and Becky Lynch definite face, so therefore it's not that big of a deal. Uh, Charlotte would be the uh, the fork thrown in there in a way. She would be the biggest heel of the lot because the, Ronda Rousey's getting booed, but she's not uh, her character isn't heel. <laughs> it's just that her character is that undefeated Superman kind of character. It's only got a certain amount of longevity, and Ronda Rousey's especially up against Becky Lynch, who is the more interesting character. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the issues kind of started. But, yeah, <laughs> it's it's used all the time, and Becky Lynch is not taking out the match. So the question for, for me is, would it be a singles or a triple threat? If it's a singles match, do we get Charlotte versus Lynch at fast lane with a winner getting added to the match? Or, because then he could just have his Charlotte wins, then, I don't know, <laughs> to really, <laughs> down to the lowest low. Uh, but if you even if you go back to Steve Austin, like that era where he was constantly being, getting beaten down by the authority and then kicked their ass on the biggest stage, yeah, attitude there. Steve Austin was the, a huge example of getting taken down. The, like the only difference would be, I guess, WrestleMania seventeen, yeah, so tw- uh, two thousand one. The issue that difference there is Rock and Austin at that point are mega stars. They've already been made. They've already done those arcs in the past. So they don't need to bring them down because they're already at their peak. So that's a bit different. But in this part, <laughs> Becky Lynch has not been taken out of the match for, for in, outside of the story, outside of the kayfabe world. In like back in like to reality, this is just a narrative device that's used all the time. So I don't quite. For me, it was because it's used so often. I was really surprised that <laughs> the reactions I was seeing on Twitter. It's like this isn't just a wrestling thing. This is just like. All narratives. <laughs> it's just you bring the hero down to build them back up. It's just I, I don't. I'm, I'm really surprised seeing the amount of outcry. It's like God, you're not listening to the fans like WWE. This is ridiculous. Like they've not taken. A... <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. So yeah. So the only question is, will it be a singles match or a triple threat? Because it still go both routes. For me, I would prefer the singles matches because that makes it a bit more personal. And I don't quite understand the necessity for them to get All-Stars in. But if any wrestler has had a 2018 which kind of deserved this spot or has helped build the women's division to deserve the main event spot, I guess Charlotte kind of is that. Outside of this year. It, well, she had a main 2018. But for me, she has more than earned main event in WrestleMania. 2018, she put an amazing amount of... Like, her matches were just like... <laughs> there's so many great ones. From like Charlotte vs. Asuka at WrestleMania, then she had, unfortunately had to go out with injury, but a uh, feud with Lynch, the SummerSlam match with Lynch and Carmella was also awesome. Her match with Rousey, which obviously Lynch versus Rousey would have been the best one, but <laughs> in terms of like the crowd going mental for it, but that gave, then gave us this main event of WrestleMania. But yes, yeah, so it's weird where Charlotte 
the person, like Charlotte Flair, the person playing the character of Charlotte Flair, or is it so, like Charlotte Flair <laughs> or something? But uh, yeah, so she has uh, more than earned <laughs> this kind of thing. Um, not saying that others haven't earned it, I just mean like in terms of body of work throughout 2018, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'd reward you with a, this spot. <laughs> if this is the first one, that yeah, I, I trust to put that on your shoulders. But in terms of the narrative being told, in terms of going all the way back to the built of Survivor Series and everything, Lynch versus Rousey is the one that's been built up. <laughs> but Charlotte constantly getting in and interjecting herself and, in a way, ruining things for Lynch, that's also been the story that's been running alongside it. So you can have everything come together with this. But it doesn't all have to happen in the one match at WrestleMania. That's why I was talking about Lynch versus Charlotte at Fastlane. We don't know what's going to happen next month. Because, again, WrestleMania is a later WrestleMania. It's April... Oh, it's either April like, 7th or 8th or the week after that. So they're able to do this Elimination Chamber now and then they can do Fastlane next month. And there's more than enough time between all these shows to work it out. Like, yes, Elimination Chamber has come very quickly after the Rumble. <laughs> I'm not ready. But Fastlane is a bit more spread out to uh, like March and then you've got the April show of WrestleMania. So yeah, they've got more than enough time <laughs> to work this story. Uh, and with that said, let's talk about NXT. <laughs> oh, there, 15 minutes, just like the last one. I, went, I got through like three or four topics last time in that time, but <laughs> I feel like I did I did repeat myself maybe a couple of times, but you get the point. <laughs> I'm not, not going to talk about it anymore. Let's get on to NXT. So yes, the, uh, the rest of the show will be NXT 205 Live and NXT UK. Go through all the WWE Network stuff for the Laws of Pain, lovely viewers. Anyway, so, we open the show with Dominic Dijakovic. I'm not saying how they said it. <laughs> I've decided. <laughs> I'm just going to say uh, Dijakovic. So, uh, Dominic Dijakovic versus uh, Shane Thorne. I, I, do, I really like Shane Thorne. For me, he was the, in that tag team he had uh, with other Australian lad, Nick Miller, there we go. The, yeah, the guy from, the what was it called? Uh, da, da, it's, Da, 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 it's just what was that called? New Girl. <laughs> it only just ended. <laughs> My memory's so bad. Ah, uh, yeah, the captain that's called Nick Miller. Anyway, <laughs> that was worth a tangent. Uh, yeah, so for me, Shane Thorne stood out as like someone who, who could be really good as a uh, singles wrestler, and he's now getting that opportunity. So awesome. Uh, yeah, so I like him. He's charismatic. He's athletic enough to sell it uh, or get, get get over. I reckon, even if he's playing a heel. So exciting, exciting times for NXT. I feel like things are starting to click with the undercard as well. Like a new generation. Like I put Shane Thorne in there with like Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, I guess Cassie's in a way, uh, Dominic Dijakovic. There's an interesting um, thing bubbling underneath the surface. As the future of NXT. There's quite a lot of talent cropping up. But this was the, for me, this was the first time on NXT that the full-sale crowd and the NXT viewers got to really feast their eyes on how athletic Dominic Dijakovic is. Because you've not really seen it in uh, NXT. You've seen him do his awesome big man things with maybe a bit of athleticism. But this time he did like a corkscrew to the outside. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, this is the shit I've seen him doing Ring of Honor. <laughs> or the, like PWG. This is the stuff that I have, why I became a fan of him in a way. It's like, he's a huge big lad. And you don't expect that he could do anything like this. Because <laughs> I remember when I first saw him, I was like, oh, is he... It's really odd that he's doing these huge big moves and then I saw, oh, it's not just Big Lad tries to do big moves, it's Big Lad really can do <laughs> these big moves. Yeah, I think I just saw him do like a senton once. Like, uh, and that's the first thing I saw of him. And then he built up and did even more incredible things. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh no, this guy's awesome. 
and the, and the full side crowd were going crazy for it. So I feel like uh, he's one of those guys where you just put him out to wrestle, maybe have him do one or two athletic things in the match, and the crowd just go crazy for it. <laughs> it's like the same with Keith Lee. Yeah, but Keith Lee, I'll get to him later. He was awesome, actually. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Don Dijakovic wins uh, with the Feast Your Eyes. The, yeah, that, I don't remember that being his finisher, but I do remember him saying it all the time <laughs> on the indies. So I don't know if I'm just forgetting that was his finisher. But yes, yeah, so he uh, hits, the, hits the Feast Your Eyes finisher on Shane Thorne and gets the three. So, good on you, Dijakovic. Uh, Shane Thorne showed a lot of character to me, even though he was essentially there to make Dijakovic look awesome. He did a great job of that. Because the Dijakovic did look awesome. <laughs> so, kudos to both guys. But, if, yeah, I really like Shane Thorne. Showed a lot of character. I don't know what his future of NXT is really going to be, but I don't know if we'll see that until the current crop move up and then this lot get a bit more of a spotlight. Because, yeah, again, Riddle, Dijakovic, Lee, I could put Thorne in there as well. They're bubbling under the surface, waiting for the likes of like Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black, Champo Gargano, like, just to get called up. Like the guys who are so main event that they are, they are, they've been ready for months <laughs> to go to the main roster. Like obviously, with as the black injury kind of halted that for a bit, but they're more than ready. Like character wise, they're just done. Yeah, just kind of call them up. <laughs> like, uh, I will, I'll be very surprised if we don't see like a mini Exodus post WrestleMania of like Black Gargano Champa. Dream, I'm not sure about because he's young. They might keep him there a little bit longer. But Undisputed Era as well, they'd be a big one if they get called up. But yeah, we're looking at a new era for NXT on the horizon. We're at that point. <laughs> so there are quite a few times where people feel like they've been there way too long. Like, remember Bailey kind of had that feeling, Asuka as well, where, where it's time to move on. <laughs> and I feel like we're at that point now. Like the, the, the future of NXT is bubbling under the surface ready, and the current guys are also ready to get called up to the main roster. But again, like last year, they didn't have any plans for the guys called up, and they've just not done anything. So, I guess CN's been the guy who's done the most. But they've only really done stuff within the last two months as part of their We're Now Listening to You, The Fans. To which everyone's just gone, Yeah, I'll see it when I believe it. And I believe it when I see it. <laughs> uh, it's late, I'm allowed to get these things wrong. Again, apologies if there's any sound issues and stuff, but I'm having to record this super late. Just because that's just the time I've got. <laughs> so, it's going to be record and very quick edit with like with hard I'm not gonna be able to cut out any of my like random lizard noises I make with my lips <laughs> anything. Uh, I've got a pop shield, so that should hopefully, you know, stop stop the puzz <laughs> if I mean too bad. Uh, I dropped it, there's a huge crack on it. <laughs> oh that's great. Anyway <laughs> as I moan about my broken pop shield, which <laughs> is just staying up. Uh after the uh, uh so after Dyakovich made the NXT full so crowd feast their eyes on his feast, your eyes moves. Uh, it's time for VTRs. That's right, it's VTR time. This happens on NXT quite often. Just get yes, just get a string of pre-recorded stuff. So first off was the Undisputed Era, a trademark promo from the guys with their music playing in the background of it. We're going, and we're the awesome ones. Everyone else sucks. We're the best guys. Yeah, and they all go, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I made them sound like a cheesy boy band, but they're not. <laughs> Uh, after that, we got a uh, highlight package of last week's main event, the six-woman tag, and uh, we cut to an interview between Shane and Shirai. Shane and Shirai, I said that wrong. Shane, Sa- <laughs> I was going to say Sano. Uh, yeah, with the pronunciation things. Like, no, if it was Sa- if it was Sane, it wouldn't be spelt like that. But I'm going to let my nerd brain just <laughs> calm down and you know not give a shit. But anyway, Kari Sane and Io Shirai. Have the interview and they're talking about uh, maybe facing Baszler 
uh, when Belair comes in, he's like, no, 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 no. They're like, it's cool, it's cool you won and all, but <laughs> it's cool that you're the one that scored the pinfall, but but no, I'm the one that's undefeated. <laughs> so, yeah, it, building up on what happened last week. As, as I was saying last week, that was a very good laying down of the foundation to then build upon last week, like, to kind of start the road towards uh, New York. <laughs> that's it, it'd be Brooklyn, won't it? But yeah, it's building on the foundation. So, well done, NXT. Uh. He set up something and then he built on it some more. <laughs> like, well, I can't really... Uh, um, and I don't know if it was now or if it was a bit later in the show, but it's VTR time. Might as well talk about it now. Uh, we got a thing for... Oh, they did one for a wrestler, but I can't remember who it was. Johnny Gargano, that was it. We got a video thing for Johnny Gargano, uh, hyping him up. I, th- I don't know if they've shown it before, if it's just like the stock character thing for Johnny Gargano at the moment. But yes, we got a nice little video package on Johnny Gargano. And we got a thing telling us that next week it is Velveteen Dream versus... Oh, who is it? Johnny... Oh, Jesus Christ. I just talk... That's why they showed the Gargano thing. <laughs> Velveteen Dream versus Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. He's cashing in his Worlds Collide opportunity. So that match will be main eventing next week on NXT. So good times to have Clive from the Ricky Clive Show on. <laughs> Going to be reviewing an amazing match. Ah. It's great when I'm only on NXT. I can feel my speech slowing because I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think... And I've, I've never heard anyone like telling me that they've noticed that, but I can feel it. <laughs> it's good. It irritates me. Yeah. So next up, we got the Street Profits facing Humberto Carrillo and Stacey Irvin Jr. with Mauro and Allo having to record something in a studio because, of course, they called up Carrillo that just that messed up these recordings. <laughs> so, hooray. Um, so Carrillo and Irvin are in the ring where Irvin really reminds me of Ricky Ortiz <laughs> it's because he's got the shiny pants and he's got the afro uh, that's about it <laughs> that's enough for me Just to go. He might, when I watched him wrestle he was like nothing like, like the comparison shouldn't have been made <laughs> essentially like, in terms of how they are actually win the bell rings but my immediate reaction was like ah I'm getting a Ricky Ortiz vibe oh, yeah <laughs> anyway so uh, the, the Carrillo and Irvin are in the ring when Cassius Ono walks out, and he's like, I know, I know, I haven't got a match, but... And then he spews spe- something about hating the crowd. Uh, I'll be honest, he did the, your, like, I hate every one of you, you all suck thing to the crowd. And I was like, ah. Uh, like, to me, I turn off when that happens. Like, the salesman who's been bound to your house. It's like, the salesman who comes bound to your house and just says, oh, I was just doing some work for your neighbour. Like, as soon as you say that, I've turned off. I am not listening. Because <laughs> that's just... I like, ah, stock line. <laughs> yes. Just a stock line from a... It's like, it's like it's a stock line for a script, in a way. It's like, yes, I've stopped listening now. <laughs> so, it's the same when they when just that... The, the stuff to the crowd. Like, the crowd you all suck, kind of thing. But it's like, ah, yes, stock filler line. <laughs> yes, I have stopped listening. Uh, so, anyway, so he does that. I guess he's no... When Keith Lee, thank God, walks down and knocks out Kishizono with one blow from behind, uh, Lee apologises to the full side crowd, singing, Oh no, oh my God. <laughs> but he, he turns out Keith Lee has an amazing singing voice. If you watch him on the Indies, you would have heard his voice. I'm pretty sure he sang his own theme. Uh, I was like, why doesn't he sing this theme? <laughs> like, he showed the full side crowd here how amazing his singing is. I was like, oh, why can't he sing on his NXT theme? <laughs> so, uh, Keith Lee's singing skills. That thumbs up. Uh, then the Street Profits come out and Montez Ford hilariously mocked the knocked out Cassius Ono, <laughs> which was hilarious. Uh, also, kind of loved it as well. And then we got our tag team match finally. Hooray! Uh, oh yeah, Keith Lee with his very kind apologies. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I, oh, I'm sorry I've done that. 
yeah, nice little fun segment. And the Street Profits just brought all of the energy that was in the room after they like they, they mocked Ono and Full Sail just woke up with laughter and like the entire match had that same energy. They weren't laughing, but it was like a, a, a fun energy about the match. Especially when you got Carrillo and Irving Jr., which I'll make a quick note on. So we know the athleticism of Carrillo. Obviously, like they deemed him good enough to go to 205 Live. But Irving hit a top-draw moonsault. <laughs> so kudos to the guy. Like they, uh, they talked to him before the match how he's been impressing people on the NXT kind of touring things. Uh, like, yeah, we're going to put you on TV. And, yeah, that moonsault was awesome. The rest of the match, they got the crap beat out of him. <laughs> it's essentially to get the Street Profits over. But, yeah, Irving, amazing moonsault. Modern lad. <laughs> uh, then after the match, the Street Profits cut a more serious tone promo about being worthy challengers. When out comes Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. Uh, I don't know why I did his in the German accent. <laughs> He's not German. <laughs> but yeah, lots of like, nine, 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 nine. Uh, but yeah, they come out like, if anyone's worthy, it's us. Then followed by more NXT UK of Birch and Lorcan. Uh, Danny Birch and only Lorcan coming out and saying, like, no, we are. We're, we're the guys who should be worth it. We've, we've done stuff. And then everybody got beaten up by the Undisputed Era. They're all busy arguing, arguing amongst themselves, and that's when Inspector Hero came up to just make their official final statement. And whilst they were beating everybody up, that's when the war horn sounded, and the war raiders arrived to cut that shit out. Uh, they ran down to the ring, and Inspector Hero fled to the ramp. It's a nice little segment setting up tag team stuff. Because quite often in NXT, when you've got the tag team, like you've got the two top teams, or top three teams as it was for a little bit. There's a bit of a like transitional era where it's like you've got your champions but there aren't really many challenges for the champions so you build up the challenges. They're doing that before they get called up this time by the looks of it. Maybe out of necessity. But it's just that idea of building up the tag scene before the likes of Undisputed Era get called up. So like, ah, forward planning. I like it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, for me that's what this was. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a match between the three teams. What's three on it? Street Profit? Oh, no, four teams. Street Profits, Marcel Bartel, and Eichner, Bertrand Lorcan, and Undisputed Era. There is the uh, Dusty Rhodes Cup coming soon, so I don't know if this is kind of set, like building loads of teams to set that up. Yes. It's a good time for tag teams in NXT. Uh, after this, we got Aaliyah defeating Tinoa Conti uh, via the Total Alliance Nation. Uh, the submission, yep, yeah, it, it looked vicious, just stamping on Conti. Uh, so, well done, Leah. Um, during the match, though, uh, Vanessa Bourne sauntered down and interfered by grabbing Conti's leg. And, yeah, so but then Vanessa Bourne, after the match, got in the ring with Aaliyah, and they were doing their we're baddies together pose. And everyone's like, why have they decided to do that? <laughs> when Shayna Baszler and her friends of No Nonsense came down to just beat everybody up. Like, they don't care in the ring, they're just going to beat people up. <laughs> and they beat up everybody. Baszler like a badass. End the segment. Good building up of Shayna Baszler. Mm. Then we get to our main event. Ricochet facing Adam Cole in a... That's, this, this is awesome chant match. <laughs> For me, that's a, kind of what the nice, cool little segments. Uh, Ricochet with the work to the leg done by Adam Cole was having to do all of his flippy offence only on one leg. Or when he did the offence to begin with. For me, this is the thing I've seen with Seth Rollins. But he seems to have injured his knee, he'll sell it for a bit, and then later on he'll just hit his moves. Ricochet didn't do that. He got the injured knee, he tried to just hit his moves, couldn't do it, and then went to the one leg. I kind of like that. Just the the twist of what I'm used to seeing in WWE. Just kind of turning it. Well, what if I tried to hit my moves, couldn't do it, 
or just hurt myself more, then had to go to one leg compared to going to one leg first and then just hitting them. <laughs> it's like I like that. Ricochet had to change his offense and ended up hitting just I think he called it the something void or the void, just uh, slamming him down. It looks a lot like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's landslide, but you yeah, just pop off the shoulders uh, going forwards. But yeah, Ricochet defeated Adam Cole and looked like a badass doing it. Because he was on one leg. <laughs> so, but it was also uh, Adam Cole with his amazing super kick counters or just amazing amazing counters. Uh, for me, it's it's interesting to see Adam Cole because he's, he's flashy, but he's not, you know, the super athletic kind of flashy. He's he's obviously got the great super kick timing, which, uh, like Randy Orton's got the great... He's one of those people who's also got great timing. He like, does it all the time with the drop picks and timing the RKO to make it look awesome. Adam Cole's got that timing. And so he doesn't need to do all these flippy shits because he could get a this is awesome chan or just a huge reaction from the crowd with one kick. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, good on you, Adam Cole. But uh, Ricochet is the one who won the match and he is the one who gets all the momentum. I uh, don't know what the plan is going forward. So does Ricochet... I don't know... Because uh, it, it's all up in the air what's going to happen with New Orleans because I don't know if it just depends on who's getting called up. So are they doing a multi-man thing? Or, <laughs> or is Ricochet going to maybe move up the card a bit or somebody I don't know because Adam Cole wasn't in the uh, Phoenix show I'm assuming he's going to be in the Fe- in the uh, Brooklyn show so it's an interesting time for NXT they've got they've built up an amazing main event list the question is who do they use or who do they match them up against because I'm assuming the main events or like three of the top matches on NXT Brooklyn are going to be the six guys that we saw on the Halftime Heat show, or this is those guys facing each other in different kind of orders or patterns and things. Because there's no dream, there was no Cole on Phoenix, so I'm expecting them to twist it about and we get like maybe three matches or two matches, maybe involving four people or three people or whatever. Yeah, I'm excited. They've got their like awesome six. <laughs> They're going to build around and switch it around. Like, for me, a good template is uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. So if you, were, if you only kind of casually watch, you might not have picked up on this, but for the past two Wrestle Kingdoms, the final three matches were the same six people just swapped, just sw- switched about. I don't know why I couldn't say that word. <laughs> just switched and swapped about. <laughs> they would, yeah, they just changed places. Like you swapped uh, Chris Jericho to face Tetsuya Naito, and then Kenny Omega faced Tanahashi in the main event, and uh, Kazuchika Okada faced Jay White. Like those six people were the same six people in the final three matches the year before, and then you just swapped them around for this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see something similar in NXT where you got your six people, just swap them about. So we got Gargano and Ricochet, and we had Black versus Champa. Uh, Dream and Cole weren't used, so you could swap those two in <laughs> and switch people about and see what you get. I don't know what you're going to get, <laughs> but it's interesting nonetheless. I like the idea. I don't know if uh, this is going to be bigger NXT take. They've done five matches normally. They kind of stuck to that five matches. For my idea to work, you need a bit more, maybe, because you got your tag team scene, then you got your women's match, and you got maybe three after that. Uh, well, they went with four, didn't they? I think at uh, Phoenix. Don't have me stupid. Uh, but yeah, it could work with five. It'll be fine. Uh, and that brings me to the end to the NXT review. I've gone on a bit longer because I remember I, I did giggle over a few things. I'm going to take a quick ad break before jumping onto the final uh, 205 Live and NXT UK shows. They're much shorter stuff to talk about, so it'll take like half the time. Uh, so, uh, just quickly pay some bills here on Laws of Pain. And we'll be back in about five seconds after this lovely advert about. Pots. That's a picture of pots on my wall. <laughs> so that'll do. Another bit about pots. It won't be that. <laughs> I'll see you in about five seconds. Ten. And welcome back to Perfect Ten Wrestling. Time to talk about Two Five Live and NXT. 
normally try to think of it like a quick quip to bring you back into the show nice and easy. This time I'm like, no, it's just fucking get on with it. <laughs> don't know why it's just the uh, depression kicking in. Right, so next we got a lovely uh, Jake Maverick starting the show to running down everything, which I still like. Uh, nice and live in front of our dead Smackdown crowd who saw an amazing Kofi Kingston performance in a gauntlet. Uh, uh, Kofi Kingston, my number one vote in the Power 10 this week for the Laws of Pain Power 10. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so 2-5 Live, Jade Maffick ran down the card and we got our grudge match for Nice and Darn and no disqualification match. But first up was Jack Gallagher versus Lindsay Devardo of the Lucha House Party. Um, again, didn't watch Raw, but the Lucha House Party were talking about how they didn't get to finish their song with Elias. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, as soon as I heard that, I was like, is that what they're doing with Elias? <laughs> okay then. And then out comes Jack Gallagher, accompanied by Drew Gulak, who goes and sits on commentary and did a really good job. Like it wasn't. It wasn't something about when Maria was on commentary last week. Like I didn't think she did a bad job, but I did feel like there was a, like the flow and the rhythm of the match did kind of go into uh, like just talking about her and he missed things in the match in that kind of way. Whereas Gulak sat down and it was like just having another commentator. <laughs> it was just that natural. It worked that well, especially as you've now you've only got two people with. Uh, yeah, bloody Aiden English is there. <laughs> Maybe that's why I liked it, because Gulak talked, which meant I didn't have to listen to Aiden English that much. I'm not a massive fan of Aiden English's commentary, but I will also forgive him because he's only just started. Therefore, he's kind of learning on the job, which isn't easy, especially with commentary. The amount of work, the amount of preparation that goes into that, and then he gets shouted at for like a full hour <laughs> to say things right. Uh, it's not, you can't just, because he'd get... I think they go, like he'll get fed his line, but he can't just repeat it how he's been told it. He has to then reinterpret it and say it with emotion and emphasis and trying to figure out when to say it in the right places, and he doesn't always get it right. <laughs> he doesn't often get it right. Mostly he doesn't get it right. <laughs> but he'll learn, he'll get better. I don't know if I don't know if he'll stay there that long. I don't know. For me it's just weird they broke up Rusev Day. That made no sense <laughs> to do that. They were a fine they were fine. Like for Rusev to move to singles, they didn't even need to break up. It would have worked. He'd just be the singer. Ah, it's odd. Anyway, uh, yes, Drew Gulak. I, I really enjoyed his commentary. Uh, so Jack Gallagher versus Lindsay Dorado. Uh, Lindsay Dorado uh, jumped. There was a one spot where he jumped to the outside of the top rope, and seemed to land very hard. <laughs> and Drew Gulak even like jumped off his seat just like to look at Lindsay Dorado, <laughs> checking he was all right. It's like my God, that he landed flat. He seemed to jump like just a bit too high and a bit too far over Jack Gallagher, and just landed like splat <laughs> on the outside. Like good God. Ah. But then Jack Gallagher used his ground-based offence, as Drew Gulak sang. I think for my favourite part of this match was the end. When Jack Gallagher won, and Drew Gulak jumped in the air shouting, Ground-based offence! <laughs> in your face! <laughs> Start pointing to the crowd, like, in your face! Uh, I love... Because he, he seems to get... He seems to get so many little things over Drew Gulak. <laughs> it was, Remember, he was the PowerPoint guy and everyone's getting really excited, me included, about him doing a PowerPoint presentation on the SummerSlam pre-show. <laughs> the fact he was able to do that is it's kind of insane. And, of course, this week him shouting ground-based offence. <laughs> it, it got me. <laughs> well, that was awesome. Uh, then Jack Gallagher jumped to the outside and just celebrated with Drew Gulak. And Drew Gulak's so... It's like a really proud papa. <laughs> he couldn't help himself, like, kiss this one on the cheek. He's like, that was amazing. Well done, boy. <laughs> but, yeah... Uh, part of this was feeding into uh, Drew Gulak wanting to train Humberto Carrillo, where he's saying that like, I see that like, the promise in the guy, but he's just he does his luchador things, and he's, if he's, he'd be much better if he learned from us that like, improved his ground-based offense. 
if he went with us instead of the flippy luchadors. And uh, but if he was like, well, he's like an expert, so going to have to at least listen out to what he's got to say. So yes, yeah, so they're doing a mini thing there where promising rookie. Well, which route does he take? Uh, we don't know which route he'll take. Oh, yeah, intrigue, mystery, onto all on two five live. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the match itself was uh, it was a fine opener. Uh, the the Lucha House Party doing their thing Drew Gulak being awesome on commentary uh, Gerardo trying to win with the air things and Gallagher counting countering even sorry so yeah good times uh, I feel like there was one th- oh yeah, yeah uh, there was one little thing where this Gerardo did the springboard stunner on Gallagher and he seemed to hurt his jaw a bit but he was fine <laughs> uh, next up was the main event I've already talked about the bit afterwards so we pretty much just jumped to the main event uh, Tony Nice facing Noam Dar in a no disqualification match in this grudge match and it was one of those where they got the crowd <laughs> it's really weird because watching these matches as soon as they say no DQ the countdown starts in my head of how long will it take for the crowd to chant we want tables the answer was 10 minutes which is actually much better than anyone else has done <laughs> in these matches so well done guys your match was so good it took them like 10 minutes to remember to do the chant or to, to get that feeling that they want to do that Compared to like Murphy versus Ali, which was my favourite two or five life match I think I've ever seen on the show, and it's like almost immediately they wanted tables and <laughs> things like ah, oh. well done Nice and Dar, you distracted them, <laughs> you wrestled so well <laughs> that they took them a little while to remember. Uh, but yeah, so eventually the crowd started to chant, "We want tables." They did the smart thing of Nice going shut up, <laughs> and then Nam Dar getting out of the table later. Uh, I can't remember them using it. They must have used it. I must be stupid, but I can't remember. They teased using it and then didn't and went for stairs spots again. Or did they do something on the outs table? I remember the, I remember this uh, stairs splat stuff. Yeah, some awesome nasty spots there. Both guys, uh, it took some nasty bumps. <laughs> it felt like, just like um, Ali versus Murphy where they were really taking some <laughs> nasty bumps in the match and by the end of it, it really did feel like whoever loses this like both guys are just beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> uh, in the end, Nice won. Noam Dar was just, yeah, just beating up too much. I can't remember if it was like immediately after the stairs, like it was a splat on Noam Dar on the stairs, and I can't remember if Nice rolled him in after that or if something before. But Noam Dar was out of it, and then Nice ends up winning. Well done, you bastard. <laughs> I think they did it well enough, but it really did. It felt like Nice had. I can't really remember what it is because it's midnight, <laughs> but. Uh, niece did something to Noam Dar. This is an amazing recap. <laughs> niece, I'm going to look it up. Niece did something to Noam Dar, and it felt like Noam Dar was out, and that was it. Niece has the steel chair, dead pops up, but Niece took to uh, Niece runs with finally. Uh, niece takes Darth the rings like Oh, through the barrier. That was it. Ah, thank you, Clive. <laughs> for your right up on Laws of Pain up for the show. Uh, yeah, the barricade. I knew there's. I knew there's a bloody spot I was forgetting about. Yeah, I don't know why. I wrote down all the stairs stuff. I didn't write anything about the barricade. <laughs> Completely forgot. So yes, there was a spot through the barricade, and that's what took Darv out and then back into the ring pin. Woo! Yeah, there we go. That's why it kind of felt like <laughs> Darv had been like, yeah, done. So yeah just yeah awesome victory for Nice it, especially when they're building him up as like the the guy underneath um, what's his face Buddy Murphy they're doing it really really well 
but after this, we got Buddy Murphy and Akira Tozawa in their contract signing because this Sunday at Elimination Chamber, Tozawa faces Murphy. Murphy does his little speech, and Murphy's like, I don't really want this to be like a huge promo thing where it builds up and you end up brawling. I just, just sign the contract. <laughs> and Murphy does his little speech anyway. If, essentially, he's not. He's looking. He's not. He says he's not looking past Akira Tozawa, but he's like not taking him like super seriously. Like he is not worthy of being a competitor at the Royal Rumble. Buddy Murphy beat three people, and Tozawa was one of them. So why does he? Why would Buddy Murphy think that Tozawa by himself has any greater chance? So yeah, a strong stance on the heel champion. But Tozawa essentially says that's what that dirty bastard said, and I beat him and all. <laughs> so <laughs> don't understand what I'm saying there. Uh, Neville, if you remember one or two years ago, it was a while ago, uh, Neville was champion and then Tozawa beat him randomly, went into the show as champion and then lost the belt. <laughs> it's just a thing of, Neville thought that he, there's no way that I could beat him and I beat him. So I've already been in this situation and look what happened last time. So yeah, <laughs> and Tozawa does a cheeky smile and walks off. I prefer my version of <laughs> him saying that, doing his cheeky smile and walking off. But yeah, off goes Tozawa. And um, I don't, I don't, it's one of those matches which, when I, when it's on the show, it's like, yeah, it'll be fine. But uh, I'm not super hyped for it. It does feel like what Murphy said, essentially, where I've already beaten you. I didn't. You weren't the one I pinned, but I've already beaten you. And I'm essentially, I can't see any other way, any other outcome other than me doing that again. So yeah, awesome times. Or fine times? I don't know. I didn't build that up to get that ending, did I? <laughs> so finally, NXT UK. Uh, this was recorded in Phoenix over the Royal Rumble Access. If you remember, if you watch Worlds Collide, it's the same setup as that. And we kind of got a. It was it was weird because like in a different venue or like a, a more proper setup for NXT UK back in the UK, you'd probably get like a lot more promos and things. Whilst this, I don't know, because it's, it's like the much smaller crowd, one would have been really weird to cut two loads of promos. But we got one promo to open up, and then it was just match, 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 just bashing them out nice and quickly. So, first off, we got Rhea Ripley coming out. Uh, just, they did the thing the week before with Rhea Ripley beating up Storm's little buddies and then Storm goes out to save them. Rhea Ripley's out there just to say I'm, I'm challenging because next week Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm are facing each other for the NXT UK Women's Championship. So make sure to tune into that next week. Next week's going to have the week of Got Clive on. Things are happening on these shows. <laughs> so how convenient is that? Uh, but yes, yeah, so Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm got a match next week. This is pretty much to set up that. Uh, Ray Ripley's out there chatting bollocks or chatting shit. Out comes Tony Storm, act- acting all kind and friendly as the face champion, and then is like, actually, why wait till next week to fight? And then beats up Ripley again. So the difference was uh, when Storm ran down last week, Ray Ripley won the fight. Whilst in this occasion, I wouldn't say Storm like out and out defeated Ripley, but Ripley was on the ended up being on the outside, pointing at Tony Storm who was in the ring. So Storm essentially won the fight. And again, that builds up. So you've had two altercations between the two where each person's essentially won. So, also, And the same with the matches as well. Ray Ripley's won one, Tony Storm's won one. And it's the same. Did they face each other in the Mayon Classic? If so, I don't remember the outcome. Well, Tony Storm won, obviously. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. <laughs> uh, well, that's, not, that's not counted in NXT UK kayfabe. <laughs> NXT UK, they face each other twice and each person has won. And then even in this little build-up, they've had Ray Ripley win last week and Storm this week. So they've both won and lost against each other. So this is kind of the... I'm assuming this is the final clash. That one of them, I'm assuming Ripley, might become a more NXT-centred person. Again, 
I don't know what the hierarchy is. <laughs> we don't know how these, like, the foreign NXTs, by foreign I mean anything that's not uh, America. Uh, we don't know how these foreign NXTs are going to set up in terms of feeding to WWE. Is it, is it like main NXT where they go straight to the main roster? Because that could happen with Pete Dunne. We'll find out soon. Or do they go to NXT? Do they graduate to the one in America before fully going to the American touring show? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, wait and see. <laughs> it's still a new brand. The TakeOver set up stuff really well. But yeah, or is it just a brand where no one gets called up? <laughs> that's not what, what NXT... Uh, anyway. Next! <laughs> Before I just get into a really random thing, taking on a huge tangent. Let's not do that. Let's just cover the fucking show. <laughs> Next up, uh, Jordan Devlin facing Noam Dar uh, in a nice little contest. Yeah, for, uh, for me, I watched this after I'd watched 205 Live. And I was like, oh, another Dar. I mean, I enjoyed the last Dar match. I was like, oh, another Dar match. <laughs> I was I getting a lot of Noam Dar this week. Not as much uh, as I get Nigel McGuinness and Vic Joseph. <laughs> but still, uh, it's also good to have Mauro Nano back because that means I don't hear the duo of of uh, Guinness and uh, Joseph for like three shows, for like three hours straight. <laughs> it's like, I'm happy to get a bit of variety. <laughs> it's nice and everything. Yeah. I do like Joseph, but for him and McGinnis for every single show, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'd like a bit of variety. But anyway, so this was a fine match and things. I will say I was getting constantly interrupted whilst trying to watch this match, so for me, it was like, stop, start, stop, start. I've, if I had time, I would have gone back to watch it, but there's a reason I'm recording this at like midnight. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Jordan Devlin ended up winning with the, is it, I forgot what it's called, but where he pops them off and spins them, and it's an awesome finisher. Uh, yeah, and uh, after the, so he wins against Noam Dar, so a big win for Jordan Devlin. I'm assuming Noam Dar was there because of the World's Collide tournament. They just did that. Oh, and the Rumble. Everyone's there for the Rumble. Uh, after the match, Jordan Devlin, uh, he's not done making his statement. He does the uh, pop-up suplex where the person's on the ground and he pulls them up by the arm into an awesome suplex. Yeah, amazing move. <laughs> but yeah, Jordan Devlin is once again uh, making a name for himself and building that reputation. For me, he is... The guy to face done. Oh, I don't know. It's odd for me because Walter is the interesting thing. They immediately put him into the main event, and everything tells me that Walter versus Dunn is the match they're going for. But Devlin is the one who's being nice and slowly built up. So I don't know if you hit and the champion needs to be a, a heel. Sorry, has to be a face, obviously, for Devlin's kind of arc to work. Walter, I don't know what he is. <laughs> what is Walter? <laughs> uh, uh, he's awesome, obviously. And daunting. <laughs> ah. But yeah, so uh, Devlin just continued to get built. And we'll see where things go after that. Uh, after this, we got Ginny facing Mia Yim. A surprise appearance of Mia Yim. Essentially, more Worlds Collide stuff as we got NXT UK versus NXT. And this was... It was Mia Yim getting in some offence, but it was really a nice showcase for Ginny. I think that's one thing I liked about the people who weren't like proper NXT UK guys. That the NXT UK talent are the ones who went over... I was like, I oh, know, amazing idea. <laughs> using people, yeah, using other people to put up your own talent, like build up your own talent. Like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> but yes, this is what, uh, well, to be fair, uh, NXT does that as well with Tyler Breeze coming down to lose to Ricochet. I say lose to Ricochet, have an amazing match to Ricochet, then lose. <laughs> Tyler Breeze got over in the match as well. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Ginny ended up defeating me, um, and it's just more of the not tonight's week up <laughs> stuff. She didn't say it in this match, but it's essentially like the feeling you got watching it. Uh, building up Ginny as well to be another heel, a top heel in the women's division after we've moved on from Ray Ripley versus Tony Storm. That's my big assumption why Tony Storm will win and Ray Ripley might move to NXT proper or like to be a side thing. 
just because they're building up Ginny really, really well, and Ginny versus Tony Storm is a match I've seen all, loads of times on the indie scene in the in the UK. It's a very common matchup, especially on Progress. Like those are the two of like who were constantly fighting for the championship, or one of them was champion all the time. Uh, and uh, it was nice to finally move on from that. And it wouldn't be surprised if we see that in NXT UK. Basically, that means they're v- um, they're very familiar with each other. Therefore, a match between each other is guaranteed to not be shit. You'd think <laughs> just because they they work together, they work together so much, they are very familiar with each other, which normally guarantees something great. So, build up Ginny as the heel, and then she can face Storm. Good times. It'll be interesting to know what people think of Ginny, who don't really watch the UK scene. Which I'm assuming most Americans don't. I don't know how many Americans watch NXT UK. But, I'm interested to see what they think of Ginny. Because, of course, I know her from before NXT UK. And for me, she's just Ginny, who I've always thought is awesome in NXT UK. She's one of those people who is really versatile as well. Uh, they're an amazing match between her and Jimmy Havoc. Shot at, oh, I've got the place to shoot it really uniquely. Oh, <laughs> that's really bad. Oh, it's a UK, please tell me UK people. <laughs> it's a UK promotion. And they did Ginny versus Jimmy Havoc and they shoot it like a, oh, it's not, it's like the multi-camera setup is awesome. Anyway, I'll move on from that. <laughs> Building up Ginny, that's what that match was. And then we went straight into the main event. Uh, with a little bit of build-up of Gallus versus Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. <laughs> Good names came to me. Uh, the final match that we'll be talking about tonight, the main event of NXT UK, the main event of tonight's show, uh, Pete Dunne facing Wolfgang, or Pete Dunne defeating Wolfgang. Uh, yeah, the champion coming out and having a decent main event. Wolfgang are going to show off his athleticism and keeping the guy down because he's the bigger man, but Pete Dunne, he's one of the, like, he's... With a heel, does like the hand headlock or the where they put the hand the hand onto the person's shoulder and it goes magma. <laughs> they just grip it and the person can't get out. Uh, the difference is Pete Dunne is, with his finger submission holds kind of thing. He has got a way to get out of those really quickly, so that makes that kind of heel tactic. It's got a different vibe to it just because Pete Dunne can't. If they do that and that lock goes like Baron Corbin, he is such <laughs> yeah, like countless. When you watch the Baron Corbin match. Count how long it takes for Baron Corbin to put his hand on his opponent's shoulder and just squeeze. Sometimes to make it magma, you put you get your other hand and you hold onto the wrist and you like <laughs> and you squeeze like you grip your right hand with your you grip your left wrist. Bloody hell! You grip your right wrist with your left hand and then you oh you tense oh you show off your muscles. <laughs> you just hold it under the person's shoulder. Like count how many seconds it takes for Baron Corbin to do that. And then time how long that is locked in. <laughs> that is why I've gone off Baron Corbin. <laughs> Pretty much those, those those spots specifically. Does it get heat? Yes, because I'm bored. <laughs> it's not. If you look at the way the revival kind of get their heat by dominating, they they variety. They use variety, <laughs> which I think is very necessary. I can't really say it. A thing that is necessity. No, that's not right either. <laughs> Oh, an amazing show to not edit. A thing that is necessary. That's the bloody way to say it. I have had a long day. <laughs> oh, oh, really? I couldn't tell. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Baron Corbin, when he does that, just, I'm just out. I've tuned out. I've gone. Uh, so when Wolfgang essentially goes to keep Dunn down, uh, Pete Dunn has got the offense to get out of it. makes it interesting. Which is why Baron Corbin is Pete Dunn. is the match everybody wants to see, right? <laughs> oh, the reaction to uh, Baron Corbin for Strowman getting announced. <laughs> it's everyone going... <laughs> just, I don't want to see that. <laughs> uh, there's a reason I'm not watching an Elimination Chamber live. 
It's partly because I've got to get up one day, but still, I don't want, I'm, I'm not watching that live. But anyway, Pete Dunne defeated Wolfgang using his submission. Uh, that's what I meant. The uh, Wolfgang kind of going for thick, for thick. I can't say it. Go, Wolfgang going for things. Pete Dunne has the offense to counter him, and that's what happened in the end. Uh, Wolfgang got some like wind knockers, I'll call them, <laughs> as in that sounds <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> Uh, by that I mean something which knocks the wind out of you. <laughs> uh, not air breasts. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh when I said that. Uh, but yeah, Pete Dunne defeated Wolfgang, and another built up for Pete Dunne because uh, they've been building up Walter, so it kind of makes sense to give Pete Dunne a spotlight. It's been a few weeks since his uh, defeat of Joe Coffey, that's his name, and that's that. Well, I am my brain is turning off. <laughs> so. Before I really forget how to sign off, I'm going to sign off. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Any Lots of Pain show. Uh, it means a lot to us. And thank you for listening to all of this. If you've made it this far, I've gone through all of the WWE Network shows. I don't know how long all of these are going to last. Will Too Far of Life be around that long? I'm not really sure. WWE are in a revamp thing. I'll talk about that with Clive next week. That's a Clive topic. <laughs> for he is the Too Far of Life expert here at Lots of Pain. And I am currently... Taking before I probably sign off, I'm currently taking part in a tournament in the Columns Forum, uh, the King of the Columns Tournament. I qualified for the second round. So did Clive. We'll talk about that next week. We should have some in our second round entries by then. Uh, I've I am facing uh, up newcomer uh, Arprof, who is um, Arprof. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's hyphened it like our truth. That's why my brain wait. Wait, is that right? Yeah, it is right. Uh, but yeah, he is putting out an amazing work in the Columns Forum. And he's my opponent in this match. I've, I've got my work cut out for me. So, again, Columns Forum, really highly recommended that you go check out the columns and go check out the tournament. All the uh, all the columns that have been entered into the tournament are available to read, including all the first round. And this round uh, is a knockout tournament, so... Yes, <laughs> you either write better than you put your opponent or you don't. Or you both write really well, which happened in the first round, and it's a difference of, like, ten points between the different judges. Yes. <laughs> Tournaments get people talking in the Gunners Forum. So, yeah, go and check down there. Even if you don't want to look at the, the tournament, there are just normal columns as well being written by the amazing writers. And there is just plenty of conversation happening because it is also a forum. Uh, so, thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with Clive from the Mickey and Clive show and of the 205 Live Results fame. Until then, I bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Adios. Ten. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Jack Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.